0: Can you hear me now? Please bow and pray with me. God, prepare our hearts to hear and receive your word, to receive grace to help in time of need, and in through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Well, thank you for that uh, medley of songs. That was just, I was feeling that peace like a river for me. I feel like uh, you covered it all. My job's done, right? <laughs> covered the whole thing, though. Um, yeah, as uh, he mentioned before, uh, my uh, throat has been going. Uh, it started basically in our meeting last night. Five, just out of nowhere, um, drying out. And then I thought, "Oh, I'll sleep it off. It'll be, it'll be fine in the morning." And and uh, so I don't know if it's bronchitis or laryngitis or what it is, because I had no warning signs or symptoms or anything. Just that switch and uh, haven't had anything like this in many, many years. Um, so I will be speaking slower than I usually do, and uh, if it comes down to it, I'll whisper into the mic and he can just raise the volume for me. But, so our sermon text today is Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. Therefore we must pay much closer attention by signs and wonders, and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit, distributed according to his will. For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere, what is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. And I'm gonna grab my water bottle before I go anymore. <laughs> As you probably uh, caught on earlier, we are talking about life's storms. And when we think about life's storms, we think about the trials and adversity, the troubles, that come into every one of our lives. And uh, for many of you, um, or maybe those who are listening later, um, the last two years of pandemic and economic crisis may have felt like a never-ending winter. And just when one snowstorm of adversity comes through, another seems to be right behind it. And maybe some people you know, or maybe you yourselves have felt at times like your life is wrecked, and you're just giving Every ounce of energy you have left just to try to keep your head above water. And the storms of life also have a way of, of spinning us around and leaving us off course, and putting us in uncharted waters that we've never been in before. And when the storm passes, we might look back and wonder, "How did I get here? And where am I? How did I get here? And what do I do next? What course do I set? And then these trials are also a test of our faith as well. And uh, as I was sharing with some of you who were here earlier, uh, faced a lot of different tests and trials and with my time in the Navy, uh, particularly difficult test in the Navy where um, I was just weighing over my head. I was out of solutions. I tried everything. We had just run out of everything. And. and and no more solutions we could come up with. And all we could do is keep showing up and keep trying, knowing it's not going to end well. And of course, I was, I was praying desperately to God for some help of some sort to come in this. And that's not how he answered the prayer. It ended as bad as we feared it was going to end. And I felt like I would let down the people I was leading. And I felt like God maybe had let me down. And I asked them very hard questions like, God, you know, why didn't you answer my prayers? And well, if you didn't answer those prayers, then uh, what prayers will you answer? And uh, it took some, some years. My, my journey of healing started with my church and with godly men who showed me, hey, it's, o- it's, it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to ask for counseling. And it's odd to heal you. Is this coming through consistently, or should I grab a handheld? So. Okay, there we go. I'll just eat the mic here. So, yeah, it sounded like that other one was cutting in and out every third word, and I probably should switch. So, um, yeah, so it was through my church and godly men that started on this, on this journey of healing. And God did work in that. Um, God with a godly Christian counselor. Uh, now I look back at that story of my life, and I see that time not as a time when God let me down and wasn't there for me, as a time when God preserved my faith from something that that should have destroyed my faith, that should have pulled me out of the faith. And so, when we think about God and life's storms, God does not promise to keep you out of every storm or to stop you from hitting the rocks. But he does promise to get you through life storms. And when life spins you around and you feel like you are just totally disoriented, look to God. God will get you through. And God gets you through life storms with a true navigation, with a certain destination, and with a faithful captain. And... Uh, we're going to look here at, at God's f- true navigation. You get through life storms by trusting God's navigation. Hebrews 2, verse 1. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. When he's talking about what we have heard, he means the word of God, that your true navigation is God's word. And, uh, but also in this verse here, as a sailor, and Navy veteran, I was delighted to see the word drift here. And I even looked at the original language to make sure it really meant what I thought. And yes, they're using a nautical term, drift. And uh, to define drift for you, like, so drift is, is anything that moves a ship away from the direction that it's trying to go. So you have a ship going through the water and the propellers are pushing it forward. You set your course and you're heading, that's where we're going. But there are things pushing the ship and even turning it. And, uh, and we're all, I think, if we, you think about it where you've been, you, you're aware of water moving. You look at a lake and you can see the wind moving the surface of the water. Or if you look at a river, you can see the current of the water moving, that whole water moving. But the ocean is a mix of all those things and it is tricky and deceiving because the wind might be blowing the water this way and the current might be going completely different. And your ship is trying to go through the middle of this. So keeping that true heading, that true direction is hard. You drift off course very easily. And you have to check your position. You have to check yourself against that true navigation. And here he's saying, pay attention to God's word. Pay attention to the true teaching lest we drift away from it. And often our lives and our hearts, these drift off course. You pick a direction for your life, but there's other forces that are moving you too. Could be economic changes, change in business, new regulations, a change in childcare, and just in in relationships, um, sickness. All these things and many more affect the direction of your life. And likewise, many things affect the direction of your heart. Uh, Just the stories you read and watch, the news you watch, the people you listen to, the things that you, that you allow to affect your heart and emotions, but most especially what you listen to when you are suffering and in trouble. And it's also hard to stay on course because the world is constantly telling you to ignore the truth. And we have to use wisdom and discernment to recognize the truth and to cling to it. And we also know, furthermore, that there's a part of your heart that, that doesn't want to listen to the truth. Galatians 5:17. the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So oftentimes, the desires of our heart, sometimes they blind us to the truth. And sometimes we we believe what appeals to us more than what is true. We might even start to ignore God's law and to drift away from it. And So we must pay all the much closer attention to our true navigation, God's word, because all these things are causing us to drift away from it. But God's word and the gospel of Jesus is the lighthouse of our salvation And this text warns us that if you do not cling to it, you will not escape. Verses 2 and 3 say, Since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? So the message declared by angels, this refers to the Old Testament, the Law given to Moses, given through angels, and it's saying, "Hey, everything that given in the Old Testament received a just retribution." Like historically, look back at the nation of Israel. Say everything, every law of God that they transgressed, a transgressed broke, received a just retribution. So, if that is a sure, reliable thing, then how much more so the word given through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? And so God's word, it is historically reliable, but is much more so. It is truth. It is powerful. It is life-giving. And later in Hebrews chapter 4, it says, The word of God is living and active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And especially that last word, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. This idea that the Word of God, it's a light upon your life, but it's also a light upon your heart, on your soul. It shines on your heart and it tells you, "Hey, wake up! You've been walking in sin. You've been asleep. Get back on course before you drift away." And so thinking about that there, um, I'm sure like many of you, I use my phone for navigation. And uh, one of the most annoying things my phone does, of course, is when I'm sitting on the parking lot about to leave and go to the road, and it, the phone will tell you, you know, return to the route. You know, but it'll just start repeating, return to the route, return to the route, over and over again. And uh, sometimes I get a little frustrated with the phone. I don't say this out loud, but I'm thinking it in my head. You know, quiet phone. I'm sitting in the parking lot, and I will move when I can, so shush. And I'm sure sometimes that um, we we may feel like our preachers and teachers maybe it sounds repetitive, you know. Hey, return to Christ, return to the root. And but this is because pastors are called to care for your soul, to look out for your soul. And so, friends, how is your heart? When you hear God's word, when you study it, what is it saying to you? Do you recognize times when God's word is saying, you're, you've been drifting away? And if God's word is warning you, don't ignore it. Don't, you know, like your phone, don't, don't silence that notification from God's word speaking to your heart. Instead, look at your heart. Ask yourself those hard Questions: Have I been, is there sin in my heart? Have I been loving something in the world more than I love God? Have you been pushing him away, ignoring him, not wanting to hear it? Because today is the day to confess your sin and repent. God says that the contrite and the broken heart, he will not turn away. Instead, he will save you. So God's navigation, it wakes you up when you are drifting away, And God's word of gospel gives you life. Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So God is not saying here, hey, you've been off course now, I want you to work really hard and paddle extra hard to get back on course. Instead, God says, I love you so much that I gave my son to die for your sins so you could be forgiven, so I can bring you to live with me forever. And so with Jesus Christ, it's, it's, it's not as if we were just drifting off course, because without him, you're, you're not just off course. Without him, you are spiritually dead. You are a, you are a dead corpse at the bottom of the ocean, and it's God's Word of life is gospel that brings you to life from the bottom and brings you to new life in Christ. And if if the word of God can bring you to life in Christ, then it can certainly put you back on course. And to trust in Christ and to follow him, that is to be on course. He is your light. And God's word is also a guide. It's so what helps you keep you on course. That's that navigation. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So that this is why... You know, every week we say the Apostles' Creed together. We remind us of what is true. We hear the reading of God's Word, the Old the New Testament, the full counsel of God's Word. It's why you study the Word on your own and dig into it. Because by God's Word, this is how you see yourself correctly and how you see God correctly. You're looking in a, a mirror to see yourself, but also to see God it shows you where you're off course, but it also shows you God's Son who saves you. And for that reason, I will say again and again and again, return to the root. Look to Christ, your Savior, and look to him in the word. This is your true navigation for all the storms of life. So you get through life storms by trusting God's navigation because he is bringing you to your eternal home. That brings us to our second part here. The second big idea is that you get through life storms by remembering your destination. In verses 5 through 8, God gives you his gracious promise of the world to come. Verse 5, it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking To endure life storms, you need to remember. You need to remember your destination. The world to come is the new heavens and the new earth where you will live and reign with Christ forever. And the word world here, it's referring to the inhabited world. Uh, So it meant the whole world where people live and dwell. And so with Jesus, you're the world where you will live and dwell will be subject to humanity, saved humanity in Jesus. And I want to think here just about this idea of, of subject the world subjected to to humanity, because um, all of us observe people building. You know, if we think of little children, children love to build. They love to stack blocks and clothes and all those things together, and oftentimes they will have more fun with that cardboard box than the shiny toy that came with it, and they'll, you know, they'll use tents and pillows, make uh, forts. You know, they are always, they're building, and all of us, to some degree, are, are world builders, world shapers, because we, we all have an idea of the, what we want to build. You think of the home, the house you want for your spouse, the home you want for your children. Um, we are are shaping our corner of the world. And so we're we're all world builders to a degree, to a degree. And it reminds me of a friend I had from high school I was visiting with a couple years ago. And we were visiting his home. And it's a beautiful home, but mostly I was impressed by the fact that he had personally built his home. And that's something that's so rare that anyone does anymore, that, that uh, he imagined and envisioned the home, and that he personally put it together and built it, and now he lives in it. Um, and then we think about that, and we think, Christ, we will live and dwell with Christ, who will bring a new heavens and new earth. And he says we will reign with him. The, the new heavens new earth will be subject to us as we are in, as we are in and with him. So that is our destiny to live and reign with Christ. And this is just a marvelous thing to, to stop and consider. So all believers, all those who are in Christ by faith, will live and rule there together with Christ, but with perfect peace and harmony. And so there, there's not going to be any conflict over resources, over control or who is in charge, and then no one's going to take charge by domination. By, is by dominating someone else. Because so much in the world today, domination means to overpower resistance. And that's, that's a, an idea that just won't even exist there at all. Because everything will be perfectly submitted to the will of Christ. He, it'll just shape itself to his will without resisting. There, there's no domination in that idea there. And so we think here, it says, God has subjected the inhabited world to come to those who are in Christ by faith. So if you are trusting in Christ, that is your destination. And this quote here in verses six, seven, eight comes from Psalm eight, verses four through six. It says, what is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you care for him? You made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection, under his feet. So God's promise comes from his love for mankind. He says, what is man that you are mindful of him? Talking about man's, what is man that, that God, that you would be mindful of him? Man doesn't deserve God to be mindful and care for him. And when we look at the world around us, it's pretty easy to see why. I mean, just seems like fraud, waste, and abuse are commonplace. And the, the bigger the project, the more of fraud, waste, abuse you will see. Um, and the more pollution and, and self-destruction and so many of the things that the world around us is building, um, and maybe sometimes we ourselves are building in our own lives, um, don't point to God. Instead, we're, we're building towers of Babel that, that build us up at the expense of others and make us look great. So it, it's an obvious question. Why would God promise the inhabited world to come, that the new heavens, the new earth, to sinful man? Because clearly we don't deserve this promise. So it can only be because of his love, because he is mindful and cares for you. And the word mindful here means to remember and respond. So a hypothetical example here, I, I could remember that my wife wanted to cook spaghetti dinner for some night. But if I don't take the beef out of the freezer to thaw in time, my remembering that doesn't do much good. But if I take it out at the appropriate time so that the meat has time to thaw we have our dinner, well, then I am being mindful. I'm remembering and responding. I'm being mindful. And God is mindful of you. He remembers you. He responds. And God also cares for you. And the idea of caring for you is much more than the affection of the heart. It's not just, hey, I wish you well. I hope that works out for you. I'll, I'll be sad if it doesn't. Like, that is not God cares for you. God cares for you is like when, when think of someone, you know, someone's returned home after a surgery and they need care. And that's what's going to visit them, looking after them, bringing a meal, helping them clean their home, visiting them and caring for them. That is God cares for you. And God showed us this most clearly when he came and visited humanity in his son, Jesus Christ. Because in Christ he came and he visited and showed his care for us. And he gave, he sent his son, he came and visited to give us his promises in His Son, Jesus. Verse 7 concludes, You have crowned Him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under His feet. This glory and honor, this is the destination He has waiting for you. But right now, we're on earth, struggling with sin and death and croaky voices. And, but glory, honor, and rule are waiting for you in the world to come with Jesus. But the rest of verse 8 is very real about the struggles we face here and now. It says, Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. So this is saying hey, everything is already subject to Christ's rule and control. Yet here in your life on earth, you do not yet see this. We do not yet experience the full peace and harmony of God ruling over everything. But we will. There's so much hope in that word yet. We do not yet see, but we will. So in the middle of life's storms, you have hope. You have God's promise. And so when you're facing a trial, a storm in your life, you endure by remembering your destination. You remember where you will be with Christ forever, the world to come, the promise fulfilled in Jesus. And though we don't yet see the world to come, we do see him. The verse says we we see him. We see Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. And he is the captain of your salvation. You get through life's storms by faith in the captain of your salvation. Hebrews 2.9. But we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, but namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. So all of God's promises to you are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Because for a time, Jesus was made lower than the angels. So we think of the time of Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. The Bible says that at the end of that, the angels came and ministered to him. So Jesus was in a place where he needed to be cared for by the angels. He was made lower than the angels. He became one of us so that he could fulfill his promise to you. So Jesus didn't just yell at you, hey, get, get back on course. <laughs> no, instead, he got into the boat with you. He rides the storm with you. And Jesus is crowned with glory and honor And because he suffered death. He made the ultimate sacrifice. And Jesus did this for the purest of reasons. He did this because he loves you. And now he's crowned with the greatest glory and honor and by the grace of God, Jesus tasted death for you. He tasted death for everyone. And I mean, thinking of that sensation of, te- of taste, of experiencing it, Jesus fully experienced death. Well, right now, I'm just thinking of the taste in my own mouth, which is pretty nasty. I'm not gonna share detail, but, but I'm thinking, okay, Jesus tasted death. He, he fully experienced it. And that's the idea that Jesus got fully into the boat with us. He, he shared all of our circumstances, all of our sufferings. The worst sufferings we go through, he experienced them. Rejection, mockery, betrayal, abandonment, abuse and injury, and finally death. And he did this for everyone. He did this for you. And by God's grace, Jesus' death is yours. 2 Timothy 2, 11 through 13 says, The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot Deny himself. You have a faithful captain, fully committed to your salvation. So when the storms of life send you drifting, put your faith in the faithful one. Remember that God is the one who is mindful of you. He cares for you. And he has given you true navigation for your life, a certain promise of your destination, and a faithful Captain, to be with you through it all. God will get you through. Amen.